to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters who've been doing this for way too long talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorn, and I'm joined by Tony. Boom, bam, bam, Killing in the name of Killing in the name of D and D. That of course is our rock and roll DM DM Dave playing playing a little uh trying to do some mouth guitar for Rage Against the Machine, which I gotta <laughs> gotta say kinda seems impossible. It's a little tough. Yeah. Got you got that guitar which just kinda but bra- now bra- 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 doesn't uh that's more like a 70 uh, sound, you know? Yeah, I'm no uh I'm no human beatbox, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So you did what they told you. Great band. Great band. So, yeah. And the reason we are talking about killing in the name of is because we are talking today about killing in the name of D&D. The question comes in from our listener, Jared. Jared, thank you very much for sending in another great question. And it's this. This is a potentially tricky question. Is there ever a good time to kill a character? If so, how do you go from it? How do you go from this? So what do you do next? How do you introduce the new character? What if the player wants to essentially clone the character? And further on from that, is there ever an appropriate time for a TPK? There's something Jared thought of as he was listening to our episodes. He says, thanks for any wisdom. Signed, Jared. So, yeah. Uh, any wisdom on killing characters other than, you know, is there ever a good time? You know, game time's good. Beginning I, of the game. Yeah, end of the game. Like, right when they think it's safe to get pick up their dice, but not so fast, your character's dead. <laughs> I, when is a good time to kill them? When the situation fits it. I think you can't pull back an actual kill in a situation because that just wrecks your continuity. You know I'm a continuity nerd. So if this is happening, for whatever reason, the story's unfold, the encounter's unfolded like this, you gotta let it ride. I would never go after a character or characters, but... If you're there, you know, you got to see it through. (laughs) Yeah, I think, Tony, that's exactly it. I was what I had written down was, you know, and I like the way in which this question oftentimes gets framed because Jared's not the only one asking it. Right. And, And everyone asks it in this way. When is it okay? Which assumes that it's our decision. You know, and what I'm going to say is, like, don't feel like it's your decision. It's not. It's not something where, like, oh, the narrative calls for it. So I have to kill this player in session seven. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, as Tony said, when it happens is when it happens. Now, we've talked many times. There are times you might pull the dial back on that slightly for different reasons. But it's still not really your decision. And my second point to, to start off with is quote death end quote right the idea it's like in in <laughs> comics right like the idea of death in D is malleable let's say right it's malleable so uh you know out out you know, past like fourth fifth level it becomes very malleable you know anyway that that's my start that's my but don't make it like it's not necessarily our decision so there we go so you're saying as the players fuck up you kill them well, it's not like you're again, like, and, and Thorne, you've said this many times, and I've even actually, I've said this actively in games. 
uh, because especially with newer players, they don't understand that like I'm running the game, right? I'm not, I am, I'm not the villain, right? I'm not looking at this as like, I'm trying to kill you. Right. Right. Um, I'm playing out the villain generally as they would probably play for the most part. Just all the characters I'm playing are trying to kill you. Yes, (laughs) but it's not me, but in, in a very real way, that is, that's an important thing. And it's an important perspective to, especially in gender for first time players. So they don't get that sense of that adversarial DM or someone that's trying to kill you, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to ask a follow up here. You simple. Yes or no. With that in mind, all pro killing and all. Have either one of you actually killed a character in 5e? We're several years into DMing it. Yes. Who'd you kill? Uh, I kill. Well, I mean, right in the Curse of Strahd campaign, I killed Rose. Um, When you guys were fighting Bob Lasaga's hut, it whomping willowed her into the fucking ground for like a hundred plus points of damage. Then Fenris, the cleric, ran over jammed a diamond in her chest and revivified her right but she was fucking dead <laughs> I mean, is that, okay okay is that really a kill though have any of you actually eliminated a character where the player had to go back to the drawing board and make something new not in 5e pathfinder yes what about you tony none of my characters died in storm king's thunder yeah. oh no that is not correct i absolutely did kill uh a player in 5e yeah it was in Bonnie's family's game. It was actually the uh, Weird New Jersey adventure uh, we were playing. Was that 5e? I thought that was the original no. Pathfinder. No, that was 5e. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we were okay. playing 5e with Bond's family. So I had been uh, playing in it and then running a little bit of it um, yeah. prior to like Slavers and stuff. But um, before that, it was all Pathfinder. But no, uh, her nephew, Jake, um, had a character and he jumped in the blue hole. Uh, you guys can go back and read the Weird New Jersey Adventure and read about the Blue Hole. Uh, that is on the website. That's yeah. an article on the website. lays out the entire, I think it's over two articles, lays out the entire adventure for yeah. you. Feel free to use it in your games. Please, please. Um, and he kept, I kept trying to explain. I, I was trying to save him. He kept swimming down the Blue Hole because it was like, it kept like, there was no bottom to it in essence. Yeah. And like you were getting that sense. So he was like, well, there needs to be a bottom. I keep swimming. And at some point I was like, you are no longer swimming. You're now dead. <laughs> so he had to recreate a new character and in essence just created Aang from The Last Airbender. So for the final battle, he rolled That's in. a pretty damn good character to create. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so you have killed one person in about four games you've DM'd at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least four. And people. I killed Chris's wizard in our Pathfinder campaign. To the point where I made him hand me the character sheet after right. he told me how many hit points he had. That's the final movement. When you <laughs> say to the player, hand me your character sheet, yeah. then you're dead. Yeah, I pulled the whole hand. I don't remember. I don't think. I don't, my memory is not serving me. I might have torn it in half. I can't remember. Wow, that's wrong. I think my memory is being like way too like liberal <laughs> with it. Like, but. Like, I feel like I, I I didn't use the confetti cannon where you just fire the the, the confetti paper. You, you, into you didn't keep the shredder next to you and just look him dead in the eye and slowly feed it into the shredder. Just watch, said this just watch the soul drain from his face. I, uh, I, know, I tell you what, though, man, he rolled with that shit, but I could tell it, he right behind the eyes, man, was a fucking pillar of salt. It was <laughs> he was salty as shit, dude. Oh. Uh, 
We've but he all played, been there. He, he rolled with it, dude. He rolled with it. But yeah, it was good. And we have all been there. I've had characters die. Every characters die. I'm still salty about. Usually because I feel like it was uh, contrived, but. Mm, um, mm. You know, it, it definitely happens. It happens to all of us. You know? I have, I and I have absolutely had to revivify Thorin in your games. So players have been like, like out and out dead. But you know, again, quote death. Right? Look, the reason I wanted to ask that was because you know this this question comes up a lot, and I gotta say, like even in my games, I as much as I I, I am a you know dice fall where they may. If you die, you die. DM. The only character I've had that may have died is the one that the one character, that the one player basically chucked to uh, make a new character. So uh, I have not actually had a player character truly die in my games. I've had some players hit zero. I've had some players hit zero and fail all their death saving throws and been revivified. Um, but I haven't actually had anyone die. And I got to say, between the three of us, our kill count from... Pretty low. By what, three or four years of playing 5e is exceedingly, exceedingly low. <laughs> well, especially as you guys were traipsing through And you were traipsing through Barovia in my campaign for a good two years now, so yeah. Yeah, but let me quantify that. Uh, if we were playing every week or multiple times a week, mm. shit would be real. Like, seriously, I'd be like, you're dead, roll up another character. That's the difference. If we're playing once a month, like, I'm sorry, I waited a month to get this game, you killed me, and now I have a month to think of a new character. Like, in, in, like for example, what if David killed one of us off, like, in session 20 in Curse of Strahd? Like, mm. is that person going to come back in with any, you know, skin in this game? Not really. They're, they're, they're really, they're going to, they don't have a dog in the race. And as far as cloning characters go, um, that's always lame. Let's get, like, we'll get oh, to that. I think, I think we'll get to that in a minute. Like, I mean, let's, let's... I'm his brother. Oh, shut up. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll, that's, that's, that deserves its own discussion. We'll get, we'll get to what oh, afterwards oh. in a minute, I think. Um, Tony, but, I will say, though, that is – you keep coming back to that point, and I will say, even though it sounds like a broken record, I really think that you have hit it. onto something. No, no. I mean, in a real way, you have hit onto something that's very important to remember, and that frequency of play thing really does change a lot in the dynamics of the game, right? I mean, I I really – each time you bring it up, I'm like, nope, that is – there's a lot to be said there, you know, because there's all of that anticipation building up to that next month of play, let's say. Because, like, what if, like, you come to the game, and I'm like, okay, guys, we haven't sat down for four – Five. We've had games not meet again for six weeks. Make me and, a con save. Yeah, and then I'm like, <laughs> I just handed you all your asses. Wasn't this fun? Okay, so in six more weeks, I'll get back to what you do after your asses. But I mean, and some players may be down for that. And you know, there's some guys who are like, like I'd rather like you know, be doing anything else, like helping my other friend move like a sleeper sofa. <laughs> then, <you know. laughs> yeah, I. I've been thinking about it though, and I gotta say, it's pretty hard to really kill a character in 5e. Especially if anyone in the party has Revivify or any of the res resurrection spells. Like, you can do it, but I almost feel like it's easier to get a TPK than it is to get a single character kill. Like, TPKs yeah. are actually are not, because like, if you don't TPK the party, that character's probably coming back. You know, it's not really, and I would say, like, for me, if they're Revivified, if they're resurrected, that, to me, isn't really killing a character. Killing a character is that character is out of the game, 
and they're coming in with someone else or something else. Okay. They got to go yeah. rebuild something. Yeah. And now you have to deal with the perhaps giant pillar of salt at the table. But it's interesting because we talk all the time about, you know, about, about how we don't care if characters die. I mean, that's kind of should be the angle you come at it from, I think, because you have to say that. I, yeah, like they've said, though, that, it's not your choice. I wouldn't say that hard. I wouldn't say it that hard, though. But it's not your – like you said, though, it's no, not your yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. not choosing to kill the character. The character, that's where the dice fell. And maybe they got themselves into trouble, like the guy who wouldn't stop swinging down the blue hole. Um, but it just feels like it's – it is you don't need to kill a character in 5e most of the time if you don't want to, except for, like, at the early levels. Well, like, I know – uh... you... I mean, think about it too, Thor. I, and I don't know. I feel like I might need to apologize to your wife or something because this is now the second character. Because in our Slaver's Bay campaign, when you guys entered the Warren of the Troglodytes, her character went down in that one as well. Uh, she was like a fighter, Duma, champion yeah. fighter, ran in, went down. And then because of the way Troglodytes were, I just had him go after her again and just immediately failed death saves. And I remember because Matt was at the table. He's the cleric, right? And I look over and he kind of is side-eyeing me, right? Like, what the <laughs> fuck, bro? <laughs> That's dirty. That's dirty yeah. pool. So uh, that was almost my second, uh, my second kill of your <laughs> wife. <laughs> I would also say, you know, Shannon's not a super optimized player. She plays well. She has a good time in the game. But, you know, she's not exactly coming in there with a super optimized character, making all the best tactical decisions. So she kind of winds up in positions where it's more likely for her characters to get killed. Yeah. Well, when she got smoked by that tree, that was just ugly. That tree is like, eat the biggest critical ever. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> any, if whoever got hit by that fucking thing was going down, like, hard, you know? Hawk might have, like, still had one, like, leg up, like, oh, God. Yeah, they would have put his arm up for the third time before it started shaking. Yeah, but, like, that, that shit was pretty rough, that one, but, yeah. Bear Totem Barbarian is a tough character to kill. That's, that's, but that's it is true, thing. I mean, between, like, Thorne, like you're saying, like, the TPK, like, unless all of them drop, somebody is either going to be able to drag them out or, you know, heal them. Yeah. Or shove a potion down their throat or whatever it might be, especially with the amount of death saves that can happen. Now, that can go wrong. I mean, I've seen people roll natty ones on death saves and just yep. they got two down. And now you have one round to get them back up and you're like 40 feet away. Figure it out. But, yeah, unless they completely go down like the red cap style. Yeah, you're probably they're probably coming back up. 5e just 5e does give you a lot of opportunities to bring to, to keep someone from dying. Yeah. As soon as they fall down, any kind of healing brings them back up. They're the dying. They go all the way down. You can resurrect them. You have multiple turns to get there. But this does kind of bring up the question then. All that stuff that makes it harder to kill a player does mean that you're the, the DM, it happens less frequently. And maybe the DM is more involved in deciding when it happens than just letting the dice fall where they may. Mm. Well, you know? if you're going to roll that dial back in that moment, you have to do it in a way that it's not obvious or you ruin everything. Like, you, again, it's the same thing. It's like you, we've all been in that story where, like, we were playing and the players were all just screwed. And then yeah. the DM has this reason why they survived that makes really no sense to anybody. No matter how many beers you had this evening, you're like, yeah, so and then that happened, huh? All right. <laughs> and um, then your savior from the city comes in and he's the real hero. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. 
avoid that like the plague. But then again, though, the problem is like in some respects, because I think like throughout all playtesting that people realize playing D&D is a lot like playing Diablo on hardcore mode, because if your effing character dies, your save file deletes. Then it's like, OK, my character's dead and this character I'm working on for a year and a half is gone. Now, some people are like, yeah, I want to move on with a new character and I want this one to die. I That's not my style. I'd rather have that character walk off screen. You know, you can pick them up later. I mean, it's like just a different character. You can cycle through them. But yeah, th- there's more at stake here. It's just yeah. not like they, they died. No, you have to take this guy back and resurrect him like in Final Fantasy 1. I got to go find a few down and they'll be fine. No, they're dead. We're digging a hole. You yeah. see, I kind of actually coming into this when I was thinking about it, I kind of feel like it is more like a Final Fantasy situation. Because, yeah, you can die, but then as long as your party has your revivifies and your other and your other, you know, healing magic, other ways to bring you back to life, the party can probably save you. So it is it does become a situation of so long as not everyone dies, they can probably bring you all back at, you know, before you're when you're still mostly dead before you're all the way dead. Well, how much do we want to bet? Because obviously it's a it's a very distinct design decision to make it harder to just completely be obliterated, hardcore mode, uh, you know, deathbringer mode like PDM does, whatever it might be. And there is play for that, and that can be a lot of fun if if you're brought into it. But I think Five E they they made that very specific decision now. I think that's probably going to change going forward in some ways. Like I know that there is talk that they might be, they're probably going to remove short rests out of the game uh, in terms of the mechanic itself. Um, oh, in 5e? Yeah. Yeah. Like going forward. Uh, I would be shocked if they actually do. That. No, check it out. Like uh, a PDM professor dungeon master actually did a little video on it just recently. And he talks and he makes the point that in monsters of the multiverse, They've actually removed all short rest features from all of the creatures. It's all long rest features. From the creatures. Yeah, but he's like his point is that that looks like it's something that they might start to work into the game. And what I'm what I'm brainstorming here, follow me now. So leading up until the more modern day, most of our fantasy literature, our heroic literature, our stuff like that, you have deaths of heroes, right? But they're usually few and far between, and they're much more grandiose, right? They're big deals, right? Where for the most part, the team, you know, whatever team it might be, kind of stays together and they figure it out and they're never fully dead, you know, and Han Solo was frozen in carbonite, but like he, we, we brought him back, you know, even though Harrison Ford wanted to be dead after that, right? And all of that. But in our more modern time now, in the last... I don't know, let's say, I'll say 15 years on the outside. Now we're bringing in things like Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, stuff where the main protagonists of the story are up for grabs. No one is safe. And I think that our fantasy role-playing will now start to mirror that in some ways where it becomes easier, not easier, but it becomes more... um, acceptable by the players to play through that narrative because like what tony you always say like you get it like you know death is important and you need to have that for the tension but you've been working on a do for two years and now oh sorry you're dead oh okay i mean that was fun I, you know there, there I, are I had a character died three yeah there are downsides to that as well right I, so 
I, I think part, I, I, I'm going to, so I've seen Professor Dungeon Master do some of his videos before about here's what's coming in D&D, &D, and I have to tell you, I've never seen one that came true. <laughs> like he, 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 like if like I watch a lot of F1 coverage, yeah. and if you watch a lot of F, if you see if you watch Formula One racing, there's like that's it's a huge sport. You're talking there yeah. was just a record. There was four hundred thousand people attending one race wow. uh, two weeks ago. Four hundred thousand. Wow. Like they're this, they're they're all bigger than every race in like there's like twenty races in the season. Every race is bigger than the Super Bowl. So the coverage around F1 has a ton of these uh, vloggers who go out there and will say. Oh, drivers are infuriated, or you know, or or this driver, the, the the team boss, you know, he says this driver's in so much trouble, and you listen to it, and they don't have a good case. They're just kind of pulling, they're spinning something out of like a minor, minor thing you've already heard that they said, like a minor quote. Mm -hmm. Professor Dungeon Master isn't that bad on this stuff, but in my opinion, like when I've listened to him before talk about the future of D and D, it gets kind of like that. It's 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 a good it's a good video, gets a lot of clicks. I have not seen him be right about it. I would also say part of the reason that we've seen this renaissance in Dungeons and Dragons uh, and it get to the biggest heights it's ever been is because characters stick around and people get attached to their characters and it is a little easier to get attached to your characters when they're not dying every five minutes. I, I would be... Yeah. Plus, you have a lot of classes, including the Warlock, that have things activate. Oh, no, yeah. It would, if they I don't know. Like that, basically it, nerfing the Warlock if you get rid of short rest. So, no, would, I, yeah, I couldn't see to, that happen. You'd have to build it. You'd have to rebuild them in a, in a way to accept that. But the point being is I, I think sometimes, like, our our role-playing mirrors what we're looking for in our, in our fantasy. And fantasy changes over time. You know, I think that's what changed from OSR stuff, you know, back in D&D &D and AD&D. All the way through, right? Things got super crunchy at one point, and then it became the servant DM thing at one point, and now it's super high heroic fantasy role play. You know, so a lot of different things that mirror what people are looking for with that. So I just wonder with things like you know the 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 newest things that are out there that are very much uh, no one is safe and anyone could die, including the literal hero of the story. Oh, season one? Yeah, no. He lost his fucking head. Oh, my God, what happened? You know, or Red Wedding <laughs> levels, right? Like, stuff like that. So it, it might become more How long ago powerful. did Ned Stark lose his head? Didn't uh -huh, that actually Ned happen, like, go, guys. 10 years ago now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would have probably been, like, uh, 2011, 20... Yeah. yeah. You see, like here's the difference. It's the difference between, like, watching a good fight and being in a good fight. Like watching two boxers slug it out versus someone trying to punch me in the face. So <laughs> these characters are not yours. You can be invested in Ned Stark or, you know, Rob Stark or whomever until this character that you conceptualized, you planned, you, you've invested in, you've role played. And then now they're, you know, in the DMs folder. That's the difference there. And, and back in the day, I need to tell you guys, like, I mean, actually, Thorne made the joke, and I never forget this. Like I said, if my character dies one more time in this campaign, I'm coming back as Freddy the Fighter or Wallet the Wizard. <laughs> and, and and that that's like, is that the kind of environment you want? That's the question. Like, if you're like, hey, this is a super high kill mortality difficulty environment, then great. Make some characters. You really may die. And if you're level four, hey, you're one of the lucky ones. Congratulations. But don't count on game level five. I don't know how the hell you build a consistent story arc around that. There's this, these guys who just keep coming in and out. They're like, hey, I'm here now. Da, da, da. You know, I have, to, 
I just showed up and I've really invested in this plot, you know. No, it's I, I was the king's nephew. Yeah, that's true too, Tone. So if you're uh, like, I think if you're going uh, with the long, overarching story narrative thing, it begs you to have players that have become invested in that world. If all of them are always dying off, it does become a little harder to hook you into that plot. Like we talk about in many episodes about like, you know, making sure the players are like, why the fuck am I going to do this? Like, fuck that. I'm not. That's a fucking giant. Why am I going to go into his house, dude? I, I'm running a bar here. Right. I got a nice thing. I'm off on the weekends. Like, you know, I would go so far as to say, though, and this actually came up uh, in some other recent episodes we talked about. When we start talking, when we're talking about kind of like getting players to pay attention to you. Yeah. What we started hitting on, that was in the foreshadowing episode, was the players are most interested in what can they do with the information you give. Mm. And that applies here, too, because I think the more fundamental truth as far as how the players are experiencing the game, they're never as invested in your world as they are in their own character. Absolutely. Never. So that's one of the reasons I think D&D made it harder for characters to die and easier to save them. Maybe it's better to say easier to save them because you can still hit zero hit points just as easy as ever, you know, but it's easier to bring you back to drag you back from death's door than it ever, than it ever was before. And I think that on top of that, um, you know, when we come, when we think about it that way, we come back to the question of, is it ever okay to kill a character? Absolutely. It's okay to kill a character, but at the same time, the the system gives you a lot of ways out of it, gives the characters a lot of ways out of it, and you don't necessarily have direct control over it. So if it comes down and it happens, and naturally through the course of the game, because the parties run out of their resources, or whatever has happened where for some reason they can't save that guy, it happens. At the same time, I've been DMing multiple campaigns for a while now, and it hasn't happened. <laughs> you know, it, it, because often the story about what happens next is more interesting than the character death. So, okay, so if someone dies in the battlefield, no one can save them, they're dead, right? That happens. If someone falls into a raging river from a ridiculous height, you think they couldn't possibly have died. Well, maybe what happened when they hit the river is more interesting. Now, plenty of movies turn that into an interesting plot. You know, they got separated from everyone else. They washed up on the shore. Maybe they don't remember anything. Uh, the whole, whole whole opening to uh, to, to James Bond's Skyfall. Mm. It's pretty much the same. You know, you, that setup is everywhere, all over fantasy and, and action and literature. So sometimes when it's something like that, where it is DM discretion, or where you're thinking about doing just a, oh, well, you're dead. You're dead because you fell off a cliff or something. A lot of times in those situations, it's a little more interesting to get into what else could have happened in playing it out, I, I find. Well, that's back um, to the old serials, right? Back in yeah. like the 30s and stuff with the, he's gripping on the edge of the cliff, the literal where cliffhanger came from, right? And he lets go and then, no, oh, come back next week and see what happens to our erstwhile hero. And you realize that, oh, well, he was actually like, he had his hand on another vine or he landed on a fucking ledge, whatever it was, because the story has to keep going. And, like, Flash Gordon needs to be there. <laughs> it doesn't just have to keep going, I think. It's just, in a combat, when the party had every chance to work together and save each other, that's one thing, right? If a character dies that way because because they couldn't stop it, maybe stick with it. But where something like, you know, player falls down a cliff, just some of the other options are more interesting stories. 
Mm. You fell down a cliff and died is not as interesting as you fell into the river and now you're washed down shore and now you don't remember who you were and how do you and you're losing hit points and how do you survive it? Maybe someone finds you, you know, it's that's a more interesting story than just you fell down and died. So I think there's 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 kind of multiple layers to this, right? There is the it happened and they died and that's not really the DM's choice, you know, that's just the way the dice fell. And then there's the things where you do have a choice. And, you know, a lot of play, a lot of DMs are more inclined to say, oh, you never could have survived that. I understand where they're coming from. But the better story is often in they did survive it and here's how. You know, that's often a more interesting story to tell. So long as if, as Tony has put it, you don't you don't stretch credulity too far. <laughs> yeah. The, when you're in a situation where you're going to kill somebody gets killed off, you know, what's that joke? Don't pull a George Lucas by killing off one of your best characters. I mean, that can apply with your villains, too. Like, they get smoked early. Like, hey, I have this great villain all worked out, and they get vaporized. Like, well, there goes that whole plot arc. You One know, villain but, can't be supercharged and sent back to back to torment you by a devil. There you go. Yeah. Now he's bionic. <laughs> bionic? Infernal he's charged with hellfire. He's Asmodeus' yeah. champion now. Now he's, he's a soul engine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to realize, I defeated Skeletor, believe it or not, Despite he was made of pure bullshitium numerous times, he just wouldn't stay dead. He would explode. His soul would go somewhere else. He would reform. And that was an opponent defeating against all odds. So that campaign started. I was facing a way overcharged, way overclocked villain for my level, our levels of experience. And he just like hazed this. And then we finally beat him. And then Skeletor arrived. And then we he gave us hell for you know, games and games and games, and we beat him, and they give us hell and hell and hell, we beat him, and then it just feels like you're going around the tree. Like, so there's, so defeating him here means what, he's gonna explode and leave and come back? Like, what the, the hell is that? <laughs> can I just hide in the bathroom and maybe he'll leave? Like, you know, I'm giving it a choice. Yeah, you can overdo it, especially with the villains, because you, that party specifically felt like they were being punished. I've talked to the players in that part, in, in that game, they felt like the DM was just out to get them making the most bullshit villain he could possibly make, which kind of was the case. We just found out the backstory about that recently. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's true. But the other question is, like, when do you kill off one of your freaking key NPCs? I mean, I know it's different, but, like, if you allow them to stick around when they should not, it, you know, you, you lose your cred, you lose your, your uh, believability in terms of the story. And then a villain becomes, instead of this really ominous, mysterious character with mystique, you become a nuisance. I don't know. I think NPCs, it's like, you know, even even good NPCs, you know, when they die, if the party doesn't bring them back. Yeah, it's you know, that's that's death for effect. I think I'm not yeah, I'm not going out of way yeah. to say them. depending on like the, who the NPC is, like what they are. in essence. I mean, if like, it's Barney and, and they're actually death incarnate and just making jokes. We talked about that last episode. That's different. We talked yeah, about or a couple if there's episodes. some sort of like, you know, some sort of being that is, in essence, you know, immortal and will yes. come back in some fact. Well, that's a little different, too. I you mean, know, if it, yeah. you're talking Gandalf. Who who might get sent by back by Ilovatar? Look, there's if a lot of. If it's just like if it's fucking Blinsky or something though, like that dude's just gonna be dead. I mean, unless like no, little one will bring him back. Yeah, unless little one like fucking creates like a cybernetic Blinsky out of. I mean, him but isn't right? isn't that though an example of a better story than just the, the character died? The character died and the PC brought that character back in a cybernetic model. Yeah. That's a better story. <laughs> the 
T one thousand. Yeah, that's, or, or just, or, or just, you know, uh, they got parts of Blinsky, you know, kind of, de- kind of like, you know, dead skin. She's made like a cybernetic Frankenstein out of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's or, what you want. That's a good. That's fun. You're gonna tell that story forever. Well, the, there is a problem surrounding death, especially in a high magic world. And actually, I want to make a reference to Thorn, Love and Thunder. I can't because Thorn didn't see it, and there'll be spoilers. Well, but I think it, I think everyone might be. Yeah, we're we're within that. We're gonna hit within that one month we're window. In, we're I think in spoiler everyone, range. Yeah. I won't. I won't do it. The point is, there needs to be problems that magic just can't solve. That's important. You just can't be like, well, this person's cursed. We'll just magic it away. Like with Roderick. Oh, this character died. Well, he's dead. Who cares? Just throw him in the trunk. We'll just raise him from the dead, and it's fine. Because. That's a problem. If death death is not a thing. No, essentially, if death means nothing, it's a problem. And I think I said this like 70 episodes ago. But it oh, you said it a bunch. Yeah, yeah. It, it, ha- it has to be. There has to be repercussions surrounding it. So, OK, the character died. And yes, we're in a super high magic world. And, you know, nothing's really off the table. Can you bring them back? Like, are you doing a scene from like, you know, the original Avatar where like, you know, you're being raised in a temple and maybe we can't bring you back and all of these things and it's involved and. Sure. But not just like, all right, well, I just used my seventh little spell. You cool? All right, I brought you back from a thigh bone. All right, let's move on. But, let's get but that is D&D, so. though. And that is yeah, not only, that's I mean, not new D&D, that's traditional D&D. You die and get resurrected. Well, for, I mean, traditional D&D, that's earth-shattering magic. We're saying there's a wizard who has a wish. I mean, well, yeah, that's happening. Raise, raise deads at a much lower level, and that's just, yeah, that that's mostly okay. You got some downsides you got to work through. A first edition resurrection, I could bring you back from like a fingernail. I mean, it was preposterous. <laughs> okay, not, that's not true. But still, it was preposterous. You could bring someone back who was like 100 years old. Like, oh, shit, I'm here 100 years late. No problem. Give me five minutes. Boom. Like. So there are ways to actually kill a character, though, because I'm thinking now about the magic spells available. Oh, yeah, there are some. And a great question is, when is back. it okay to hit a character with a player character with a finger of death? And raise him as a skeleton to attack the rest of the party, or as a zombie. What happens? I, I mean, those... yeah, because finger of death is just kind of like boom, no resurrection, you're undead. So there are ways to do it. There are definitely ways to do it in the game. So when is it okay to use one of those? If you're establishing a really heavy threat, like you're facing that wizard who's like, hey, that fighter's probably not proficient dexterity. Here comes that disintegrate. I'm upcasting. You know, and you really want to establish this is a really serious, mean, no-nonsense villain, then there it is. But, you know, I've thrown disintegrates out, and, you know, it's not worked. It hasn't just, like, vaporized them like they were hit with a phaser from Star Trek. (laughs) But there's a possibility they could be. Yeah, generally, if they are, if they're facing the level of threat that would possess something like that, they're usually at a level where they can kind of, um, at least have a chance against it so you don't have to feel as bad. Um, I definitely have in-game wrestled with, do I want to throw this out right now or not? Uh, and sometimes I don't because it just doesn't feel like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like the time. Um, so, uh, I mean, those spells exist, though, in the same way that Resurrect and Revivify exist, uh, in the same way that, you know, like, I agree with you, Thorne, like, if that's what the players have access to, like, you can't just be like, nope, just because, you know, unless it's something very specific, like if this person died because, you know, they were going against some 
different type of being that had some magic that like you know did some, whatever right who yeah. who knows well that's different but again like you said there's story there to either maybe try to get the person back or or that's a death that will be remembered um i would like to pull it back for a half second though because talking about like you know the idea of tension and and keeping that up and death being on the table, having that Tony, you had brought up a good point, even precast here. Uh, like the difference between a really great ass whooping and killing people, right? Like we've all kicked the shit out of our players in our, in our campaigns. Uh, Christmas game. <laughs> Woodstock. We kicked the shit. Storm Kings. You kicked the shit out of us. Uh, Curse of Strata, definitely have kicked the shit out of you before. So like, that serves in a lot of ways that oftentimes I find serves a very similar narrative purpose to a player just dying. And now I got to make someone new, you know, because uh, they can still play their character. But now they're really fucking pissed off. And now they have like a real fucking burning urge to shove that sword right down a fucking something's throat. Right. <laughs> burning revenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's like in Woodstock Wanderers. I haven't killed anyone. But the players have talked about how dangerous and hard the game is, even though I haven't killed anyone. They've won every fight they've been in except for one. But the players still act like it's a you could die at any moment game. Mm. And you can so you can have that tension and that fear. And, and is that respect? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, it's but it, it's I, I think that I think Tony was correct, though, like a real good ass weapon serves a lot of the same purpose, you know? Like if you just demolish people uh and quickly, they're going that's that's I think that serves as as good a purpose as a a player dying or a character dying. <laughs> I think it's a a valid point to be made. Like 80 yeah. episodes ago, Thorne had once said that I, I like to establish early on the characters are not the coolest things in the universe yet. And like yeah. where Dave did with the, he introduced he, the actual BBEG of the Curse of Strahd game. Like I, I, I was fighting the, this giant Jarl and like behind me, I'm kind of looking back and Chris's knights fighting uh, that character. And I'm like, wow, he's getting manhandled. Oh, no, like, that's just uh, that's just, just the cool. lieutenant. That was just the lieutenant. Sorry. Yeah, that was <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's really terrifying. Yeah. The vampire was absolutely like he picked him up and was mopping the floor with him. And I'm like, all right, check, please. This, this is great. I mean, yeah, that was a fight where my character didn't even fight. He just ran right for the for, for help. Yes, that was probably yes. the most intelligent thing you did in five games because that was horrifying. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I took one look at so Vampire is the dark power that had created Strahd and Curse yes. of Strahd. At least that's the way Dave's game plays it. And now he is free and uh, trying to do terrible things to the multiverse. And yeah, it was simply a matter of I took one look at him and the way Dave was describing him. And also the fight we were already in, it was seemed like a little little too tough. And and we happened to have there was a. Um, a powerful NPC getting attacked in another area. He was like kind of like in a ship in, in, in his floating castle. It wasn't that just was... another NPC. It was Ilios at Ilios. the Sky Mall. He was, that's when he appeared. Trademark. Phineas turned Trademark. right and ran right for Ilios. Like, oh, well, nope, nope, nope. Can't. I'm, I'm good. I'm not this good. I'm not tricking that thing. 
No, he put yeah. a scouter away. He's like, I don't need to read this. I'm leaving. Yeah, you already <laughs> had a couple Frost Giants out there. You had the Frost Giant Jarl, who was pretty powered up. Uh, I he, was not at all concerned about them if we could was, focus yeah. on them. But Va- yeah. Vampire was... Then, the, then Vampire appears, and he's this gigantic, otherworldly-looking vampire-like entity. Yeah. 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 It's it's like here's the all star team you guys are fighting. Oh, and Larry Bird's back from the back from retirement <laughs> and in his prime. Good fucking luck. <laughs> and Michael Jordan's with him. Oh, it's Wilt the Stilt. Holy <laughs> crap! How you doing? How you, I haven't seen you You're since Tony the Destroyer. <laughs> Who wants to guard him? Well, Chris drew that straw. He <laughs> got beat up all night. It's true. It's the fear of death in D&D is more useful than death. You know, what was it, Lao Tzu, who said that you know, the thing people, yeah, that, that that line about a bowl is most useful when it's empty. You know, <laughs> a bomb is only useful until you drop it. That, that That's an absolutely true thing. That's why we don't, you know, a bomb is a deterrent until you drop it, and then, well, you've already done it. So now, now you're going to hold back anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the fear of death, the threat of death is actually, it's more useful when no one's died. Because then they don't want to die. If they're dying every five minutes, they're just like, oh, well, here's another death. I'll make another character. Yeah, that, yeah. That, there's nothing menacing about that. It turns into the end of the first Doctor Strange where he's like, Dormammu, I have come to bargain. You know, <laughs> he's like, well, this is just what I'm, we're all just stuck in this endless loop of death now. Okay, cool. <laughs> Neither of us can escape because we can't finish the campaign until I don't die. I don't do well in those situations because I refuse to pre-gen characters. I'm like, I am coming in at level one. Here it is. <laughs> and you're in a level 15 party. <laughs> I have no problem coming in at a level, but I'm going to make a character. Like, I also really enjoy making characters. So I'll come in with whatever level you want me to come in. I'll come in with something that I'm going to have fun playing. So, like, it doesn't bother me so much at this point in 5e, but only because I have a list of characters I still want to play. I would be the same way, Thor. Like, I would, I mean, I'd probably be pretty salty about my former character. But, yeah, I would just roll in somebody at a, a, a level appropriate, you know, whatever the DM kind of allowed. Yeah. Um, part Tony of it is to come- see how do I get to play this. Uh, like, let's say in the Curse of Strahd game or Woodstock, we're at, like, level 14 and 15 up in that uh, in those games. And, um, you know, being able to take a, character, a, a class you haven't really played with and just roll them out at level... 14 or something like that's that's kind of interesting to me you know yeah. to see like just come in heavy loaded all of a sudden and not know how any of this shit works you know i'm gonna need a really heavy backstory though <laughs> yeah that's fine yeah if anyone wants to come in at level one i'm gonna be like okay we're milestone leveling you all right first fight get two levels <laughs> wait oh I my can't god be- you swung your sword you're now level five I got you coffee, guys. Level five. Good job. All right. Thank yeah, you. Everybody got their hot dogs and their toppings. Not everybody. Okay, just the level one character with the level 14 characters. Like, you can come in at level one with your level 14 party, but it is going to be like, you tied your shoes. Have a level. Well, think about it. If you, if you survive a battle with anything that a level 14 party is facing, you're going to gain like six levels from just that amount of experience. So long as you're doing experience-based <laughs> leveling. So, like, that's yeah. the thing. If you're doing milestone, theoretically, it's hard. 10,000 experience points. Cool, I'm level 8. You know, like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, yeah. Just give him a like loaded deck of many it's things. Like, yeah, yeah, deck of many things card. You just, yeah. here's 50,000 XP. All yeah. right. My so first day is Squire, and now I'm a fighter lord. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so we've we've talked a lot about should you kill characters. And then, you know, the truth is, 
I think we're coming to the conclusion that you let the dice fall where they may, and characters can die, but we don't do it very often. We, I think that's yeah. fair to say, yeah. right? That is fair. We let people, we have characters can die. The idea that we, when is it okay to kill a character, uh, if you're talking like for like plot reasons or narrative reasons, I mean, then yeah, I think that's a little bit different because then I think you better have their buy-in and they better be down. You, you're going to have to tell them what's going on ahead of time. It well, makes that's, sure the yeah. Story. That That's makes me thing. think of uh, the Slaver's Bay campaign. Uh, Kevin's character, Swiper, the the thief. Yeah. He came in and he was playing your, like we've talked about it before, he was playing your old school thief, stealing from everybody, including his own party, um, which I had allowed in the beginning. I don't know if that would have continued. Um, I don't know if we even noticed. I think he got away with it. But he had... Um, he had he had uh, side messaged me uh, when his friend Rob joined the party and Rob's backstory had this like wizard in it. And he was, like, oh, Dave, if you need to kill anybody off, uh, I don't mind if you kill me because I'm going to come back as that wizard. And I was like, oh, OK. But I was like, that's where I was like, well, I'm not I'm not planning kills like that's not like. That doesn't interest me, you know, like plan yeah. now if like if I know a character is like cool with that and they're in a heavy battle and I got to make a big ass swing or maybe I got to unleash that disintegrate. Okay. Maybe that might sway my decision-making. Right. But I don't, I don't like to necessarily write in deaths. Right. Mm. I mean, I had this situation with uh, a very similar situation with uh, the wizard has been and the player wanted mm. to swap him out for the Bard Adelard. And I actually was fine with that. Um, now it has been just ran away. So there wasn't, I didn't have to kill him or anything. The, the player just took him out of the picture, but I had no problem doing that. If the player's tired of playing a character or they have another idea they want to explore and they want to swap out characters for some reason, you don't even need to die. Just tell me your character is off and goes home. Well, no, that's, that's, no, that's completely different. If you're just like, I'd like to swap out characters, but like, Hey, could you plan a kill? in one of the sessions so I can, well, just bring in a new dude and like, just, yeah. you'll, you'll go somewhere like you'll, I, right, I'm, I'm not, I'm done with this guys. You Don't know? put that juju on me. You kill your own character. Yeah. Your own guy. <laughs> Run headlong into the raging river or something. You know, there'll be plenty of chances for you to kill your own character. I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. that That's much more like if I'm running a book versus a collaborative story. Yes. Yes. And that's what I was kind of getting at. It's, it's, it's not as much like a, letting the game kind of decide it's just like me forcing a a, a decision on it yeah dave yeah. i'm sorry i like your character a lot but i plan to kill you in chapter eight and we're really halfway through chapter seven it's gonna be a real tearjerker i think you can do here's it here's your motivation here's the thing though i think you can do it but you need to tell the character you need to reveal that aspect of the story to the character to the player and make sure they're okay with it and get them on board if they're not on board pick someone else like, cause I do think you can do it. You can have a story where like, okay, I want a player character to die in game 27 because it's going to advance the plot in this way. It's going to be really cool. You can do it. But at that point, don't do it. Don't go rogue on the players. Don't just, don't just play, you know, capricious God taking their characters away. I think if you're going to do it for story reasons, you need to make sure that that player wants to play out that story and it's okay with their character getting killed for it. Oh, Those you players got, will be. You, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying for me, that doesn't interest me, something like that. No, but I mean, I could see, I've actually known, I've, there are DMs who've talked about they, that in their story, they want to, they want, well, it's like Gandalf, you know, technically dying to the Balrog, right? At some point you want some, you might want someone to die heroically to advance the plot or something. 
And I think the important thing there is you don't do that alone. You get the player, you talk to the player, you make sure the player wants to do it and they're excited about it. You maybe bribe them with something cool to get to come back with or something, you know, make it sweeten the pot a little bit. And then it's okay to do. But don't spring on a player, hey, game 17, your character dies. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. <laughs> so I was at an impasse where we had characters that just were not gelling. So the DM's like, look, your character came in newer. They were around since the beginning. How about you make a new character and I will choose your next character? And I'm like, done. No problem. And then I made a really awesome character with, you know, with that extra DM magic. But uh, <laughs> that was that was discussed behind the scenes. It wasn't like, OK, I opened this door and oh, my God, it's a guillotine, you know. You got to be real careful how you message that, though, because we also had a situation. I remember I actually bailed on a game because, you know, because we had made a character and the players, other players decided that character clashed with their character. They didn't want the character in the game. And that was all happening as like back channel communication. And that was for me as a player, not cool. You know, it wasn't uh, I would have it would have been different had it been ahead of time. But yeah, for me as a player, I kind of need it needs to be on the up and up. I can't feel like it's kind of being done kind of behind my back. Mm. You know, retrospectively on that whole situation, like that 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 entire thing was like I, I want no parts of that. I'm like that where it's like, ah, well, you know, we, we don't like that character. Well, why don't you DM the campaign then? And you could do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. You know, sometimes you get too many freaking cooks in the kitchen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've talked about a lot about can you, you know, when should, when can, when, when, when could you kill a character? What do you do when a, when a player character dies? How do you bring them back? You know, the whole other aspect of this question, where do you go after a player character death? Um, I think we've all been through this enough where we, where we kind of have our ways of handling it, but player character dies. What do you do as they're bringing that new character in? Well, I feel like the new character needs to have some type of legitimate hook, and it can't be hokey. I am the brother's uncle, sister's roommate's cousin of this character. Uh, I'm not, I don't like the cloning. I mean, they did it in Final Fantasy VII, and it worked. Okay, that's fantastic. But th then that takes away from the death. Like, oh, I died, but no, I'm his brother. You know, like, what was the point, man? Just, you're... You know what? You walked it off. You rubbed some dirt on it. You were okay. They made a mistake. You lived. So you want them to come back as a new character, not just a rehash of their old character. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Dave? Uh, that wouldn't bother me if they wanted to, uh, especially if they got killed, like, because of just the game, right? And they just got, like, let's say, you know, Rose, uh, the the Dusk Elf Ranger in, uh, Dusk Elf um, Rogue in the Curse of Shot Party, Shannon's character. Like, if that Whomping Willow had come down and just blasted her and she's gone, gone, and couldn't be brought back for whatever reason, didn't want to be brought back, decided against it, whatever, and wanted to come in as another rogue who was a, a, like a wood elf, I'd be like, okay, you know, let's figure mm -hmm. out how, how are we going to work this into the – my concern would be more how do we work it into the game? How does it work into the, the narrative, especially if it's a long arcing narrative, something like Curse of Strahd where there was a lot of – of backstory leading up to this battle where someone died, let's say. Um, so I don't have a problem if you want to clone a character, but I have not seen in the times that uh, I did kill characters that they wanted to repeat that character. Uh, like I said, Chris's wizard, Fonkin Hottie Peak, 
uh, which was a shout back to one of the pre-gen names from the Against the Giants module, which I thought was great. Um, But he actually died in the finale game uh, on the the roof of the, the tower where the ritual was happening and all the chromatic dragons were there. And one of them dropped down and just breath weapon his ass into eternity. Um, and it was mass damage. So he was just gone, gone. Um, that's when I took his character and I still, he'll have to get back to me if I tore it or not. <laughs> I don't know, but he actually then worked that into, he started to work that into a game. He started to run after we finished up that, uh, that adventure, he started to run a game and he was actually running like a kind of a multiverse thing where Fonkin like somehow appeared somewhere else and was like a, an NPC in essence, like a, a protagonist in the other world. When I killed Jake's character, it was that apocalyptic after a, uh, after a cataclysm earth, you know, kind of a dying earth. Uh, so he was in essence playing himself. If that happened, he just would become Batman. So he became <laughs> Batman for, for all intents and purposes. And he swam down the hole to nothingness until he drowned because Batman is an Aquaman. That's not something Batman would do. I well, this is Jake being Batman, right? So it, it, fat snorkel. It's it's, it's 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 several levels of meta, right? Beyond that, so, but he uh he actually rolled up that next character by the last point of that game when they had the final battle at the Leeds house. So he actually like that was good because he was a player that could run out a character pretty quickly. So within 30 minutes of game time, he had another character ready to come in. Totally different character, though. He played a monk then, obviously. So <laughs> with repeat with deaths coming out of the woodwork is the same thing with high difficulty being a real, you know, it, that's like the, the that's there's like I feel like difficulty in a campaign should kind of be like a wave. Some things should be hard. Some things should be challenging. Some things should be really hard. And then you have different moments depending upon what you're doing in the flow of your story and all of its context. But if things are always super hard all the time, you're just like, what the hell? It's the same thing. You're dying all the yeah. time because that one campaign I was dying all the time. It was also super hard. So I was like, OK, death is around every turn. It's like if you're watching a horror movie, I can't keep you scared for two hours straight. Start to finish. It's impressive. Right. Yeah. Right. That's back to that's, that's back to, you know, it's most, you know, it's death. The threat of death is more powerful than death itself. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, because once the shit's going down, it's going down. There it is. I mean, so for me, as far as bringing characters back, you know what's funny? In theory, I guess, I don't know why, I frown upon them coming back as the same character. I would okay. rather, I really do want them to come back as a different character. I've allowed it before, but I do frown upon it, and I'm not even sure why. Just, I guess to me, it's just, you know, kind of, you know, make a new character. Otherwise, it's like your old character didn't die. Right. That's kind of how I always felt about it. Well, it's also how you all, as you have said many times, you said this this episode, too. Um, that's how you interact with the game, though. You and you love the the newness of a character and new things to play with and new abilities and new story. Uh, so that's the way in which you interact. So when someone goes literally the complete counter to that, it doesn't really compute probably a lot. Well, it's that, and it's also just, if you just bring back the exact same character, I don't feel like your character died. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is fair. That is fair to a point. And there's another problem surrounding that, where what if you kill off a character, and their new version of that same character isn't as good as the last one? <laughs> in, like, 
Is this hypothetical or is this like no? I mean, seriously. Well, you know, if you have a character, you make you make two very similar characters. You're always comparing the first and the second character. It's one of the reasons why you want to keep like rolling out. I don't know fighters because like oh warriors like oh this warrior is not as good as this one. If I had this one, you know, or you get like one that's super high level. Like say I took a fighter Uh, level twenty and I start off level one with another similar character. Then what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of just where I stand on it. I guess it really depends on how you want to do it as a DM and also how upset your players are. Because there's times when a player loses a character and they're like just angry you won't let them play that same character again. And then you got to deal with the, okay, you got to kind of come up with a, what's the best solution here. At that point, I usually will let them. Like if they insist, but I just kind of give it a bit of a stink up. I'm disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> so how do you introduce the new player? I mean, because Tony, you've, you've said this several times that you feel like you know, it's important they mesh with the story, right? Yeah, I mean, really, if they don't have, a like, a direct hook, either that's going to be revealed over the course of the story in the relatively near future, or they have one from the start, then what is keeping them there? Like, you know, some people are like, well, I just want to look around and see what's going on. But especially if you have players who have been there for, I don't know, five, six games, and they're already vested in this, then they they need that, too. Maybe it's done differently, but, you know, otherwise, what, are they a hired hand? Are they the hench person? Well, how do you do that, though? So, I mean, it's one thing to say they need a deep hook, but, like, do you create that for them? Do you do you kind of, like, do you do you create a hook for them that ties into your story? Yeah. Do you let them do it? Yeah, I mean, they're certainly welcome to pick something. If not, they're like, okay, well, then what is your motivation? Why are you interested in the events that are happening in the story? Why are you outraged because the villain has done something? That's really a classic trope. You know, the villain killed your mother, father, sister, dog. I mean, you know, these villains are just everywhere. And they're just, you know, creating enemies that will come back to haunt you one day. Always remember what Stephen King said. If you really want the reader to hate a, to hate a villain, have him kill a dog. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Critics use for letting every party start with a dog, actually. Just so you can, you know, right when you want to. Right when you really want to make them angry. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, Tone. If you can, if there can be a, um, like, a hook into it as to why they're there. But sometimes that's going to depend on what's happening at the table and during the adventure. Like I, like I said, with the one with Jake's characters, you know, we were in the middle where I was running a multi-night adventure. It was pretty much a one-off. It went over two, I think, two sessions. Uh, and then it was going to be over. I was just kind of letting him uh, rest from running the game, and I was running something. So I couldn't necessarily have, like, they were in the adventure. So his next character, since his his first character died in the beginning of the second session, um, you know, he's not just going to hang out there and just, well, this was fun, guys. So he rolls up a character, and I just kind of get him in there. Uh, by the time he's ready, I say, okay, the final fight's coming. This is where you're going to be. You'll run in. I'll describe you. Boom, boom, done. Like there couldn't be a big hook because of the nature of the of the sessions and that adventure specifically. Um, but something like we were talking like a Curse of Strahd, Woodstock Wander, or something like that. There needs to be a little more uh, a little more communication between the, the the player and the DM. Thorn, you did it with uh, with Scott uh, to bring Adelard in because we had just been in Loch Lauren in the Feywild. That's where Adelard was from. And he had a whole story about how he wanted to, you know, transcribe our our illustrious uh, adventures um, and showed up 
because he had followed us out of the Feywild. And that was a perfect way to introduce a character that has uh, he has um, he has a tie in to the to the quest, to the party, to a couple things and then build it from there. You know, you know, what's funny is actually Scott did that himself. However, I did. I did. I do have a process for this and we did follow it. But mostly Scott did that himself, and it was just a matter of me making tweaks. So my process for this goes like this. I still expect them to come up with a backstory. Tell me what your backstory is, whatever you want it to be, however it's going to work, that's fine. Then we're going to take a minute and talk about how your character fits in to the world at large, fits into the world at large in the campaign itself, and maybe make some tweaks. Like maybe someone got killed, maybe you, you know, you're... You 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 promised someone you would do it. In Adelard's case, like he had that whole setup, like he did all, like he came up with all that. The only trick was, uh, I had to get on the same page with him as far as what I was trying to say was going on in Lothlorien, because he felt like they were just kind of being like, like he felt like they were being one way, like an isolationist. And I needed to drive home. No, no, no. The reason you're the, the king does want to be isolationist isn't necessarily that they're isolationist so much as he's really scared of letting God enough influence get into his realm. Like, you know, like, like there was a, like, a, because that's important to the story that God can, can kind of spread in, and be other and, and, and cause disruption and, and chaos in other realms. So I needed to make sure that was there um, as we built, as, as we did that part. But for the most part, I just, I'll let the player tell me what their backstory is. We will have, and then we just sit down and talk about it. You know, okay, so I need to, I want to give you, make sure you have a reason to be here, make sure you have a hook in the story. So how about we do this, you know, and then hear them out, see if they like it, if they don't like it, kind of tweak it uh, and find a way that they fit in. But I, I give them the responsibility of their backstory and then together we do the hook Mm. and that kind of works for anything. Yeah. The player gets to do what they want to do and then you get to hook them in enough that they have a reason to be there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's much different than bringing on a brand new player into the campaign and onboarding somebody. Yeah. It's a similar process, except the person has already been active in the game session, so they have some knowledge of what's been going on. Yeah. So one la- one last thing that Jared asked here before we get to final thoughts is: is it ever a pro- is there ever an appropriate time to TPK a party for a total party kill? And honestly, like I said in the beginning, I am more open to TPKing in the party. I think that happens more frequently than just killing one player. But then you got to deal with, okay, is that the end of the campaign? Very true. Yeah, that's that that's tough. I mean, you know, to say, okay, your players are all wiped out. They're all dead. You're on session 11. And now you're going to come in with all new characters in the aftermath and pretend you know nothing about any of the previous events. Oh, but you might as well start over. Honestly, I think if you TPK, that is when you start a new campaign. Shame, it sounds like a shame, but I think that's when you start a new campaign. Unless the players really want to come in as other characters. Like, you, you have the discussion, but the TPK can be the end of the campaign and just come back and do something else next week. The, uh, yeah, Thorne, I think you're absolutely correct that uh, you see a lot more stories about, oh, man, I TPK'd the party. I TPK the party, I TPK, as opposed to like, I killed a player and they were pissed and nobody could bring them back. Like, that's literally, like, do you have a cleric anywhere in the world? No? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked many times, you know, turn the TPK into the TPC, right? Total party capture. So there are definitely ways to do that. I am actually very interested, though. Tony, you had brought this up many, many episodes ago. You were talking about an old campaign uh, way back in the day. Uh, where it started to gain a rep, 
for how difficult this module was, this adventure. And so it became a thing where you had different like groups of players being like, no, we're going to fucking conquer this thing. So very much depending on the adventure, depending on your party and who's at the table and how they want to run it, I would have no issue, uh, especially let's say something like Curse of Strahd. If you guys had just wiped and there was no way that I was bringing you back in that didn't just like I roll in a fucking wheel of Parmesan, right? <laughs> like outside of that, right? Here, guys, take a ride on my wheel of cheese, right? <laughs> Outside of that, I would absolutely, that's like a perfect adventure to do. That just peppers the landscape with bodies, right, of the the former adventures. And now the, the gameplay has shifted a little bit, and the players have shifted a little bit, the players in the world, that is, uh, because of that. And then the new hook-in for the new group of adventurers is a little different. Right. So, yeah, no, I would be interested in playing that. Um, but I would also be OK if they were like, OK, no, let's uh, let's try something else. That was a little rough and dark yeah. and we didn't care for it. So when these <laughs> mods happened, there was two cases. You had Nightmare Keep and Threshold of Evil two times, two separate parties uh, from campaigns wiped in one case the party got their asses kicked most of them died and retreated with their tail between their legs another time at the threshold of evil our party was annihilated so but those are individual modules so we did all this other stuff and said okay on my bucket list i want you to run threshold of evil or i want you to run nightmare keep Versus I'm going after going through Bavaria for like, you know, a year and I got my ass eaten by, you know, a bunch of rabid werewolves. Let's start all over, you know, back in Valaki. I mean, <laughs> I mean but I what think, does I the Taraka deck say this time? DM? <laughs> I think it is reasonable. Though, if, the, if, the, if the fight falls out that way and everyone dies, I think it is reasonable to say, OK, so what do you guys want to do next week? Yeah, do you want to do you want to come back and make new characters or come back into this or do something different? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let the part. Let the let the table decide, including the DM. You are a player as well, you know. And if you're just like, you know what, I this wasn't really for me. Let's let's pop to something else. So, you know, make your make your voice known with that. Yeah. All right. So we've been going on for a while, a good long while. We haven't done an episode this long in a in a long time. It's a coffee. Let's get to some final thoughts. So what are your guys' final thoughts on when is it okay to kill a player? And just in general, how you handle death in your games. Well, I'll take the low-hanging fruit. I think we kind of all kind of agreed on this, where it should happen naturally throughout the game. We're not going to kill somebody off in scene five, act two. Uh, this is not King Lear. It's not Shakespeare in the park. <laughs> Something happens, though, you can just gently roll the dial back so you don't axe a player off, but you can't do it in any way that arouses the suspicion of the players or they're going to be stink-eyeing you. They're like, oh, come on. Um, and there's times where they won't be. They're like, please, God, don't, you know, don't let the cleric die. We're all dead. You got to <laughs> read the room. With this, though, I am going to add, you kind of have to look at there's nothing wrong with starting a new campaign. If yeah. You guys wipe. You are not contractually obligated to grind this out. Like, no, I bought this box set. We are doing this. <laughs> you cannot Although escape you did, your destiny with your new Although characters. those box sets weren't cheap. That is an argument for sticking with it. And that's there. Use that as supplemental material. Bring them in there many levels later to pop in and see what's going on. Yes, Dave's right. That is now a flavored environment. 
But, you know, sometimes, you know, you just got to move on. There is something to be said about box sets, though. They are pretty well, I love them. Bring I back the box, box set. set to kind of the, uh, I'd much rather get a box set of a setting than get a book. Much yeah, more definitely. I'm right there with you. Yeah, there, there's just something about being able to open the box just to begin with. Anyway, anyway, so final thoughts are my first two ones. A lot of the, the conversation when this comes up, even Jared said it in this way, you know, when is it OK? You know, don't feel as though it's your decision because it's really not. I mean, you have some control being the god of the universe behind the screen to adjust those things, as Tony was just saying. But don't make it don't feel as though it's your decision or that if it does happen, that it's somehow you made this happen or anything like that. I will say, quote, death, end quote. It's somewhat malleable in the D&D universe, as well as any kind of comic universe, obviously, as well as any kind of space opera universe, you know. And uh, I did really like Tony's point. I thought it was a good one. And Thorne, you kind of said it with the, you know, the fear of death, but a real, real great ass whooping, like really kick the shit out of them, I think serves a lot of the same ways as a player dying. You can even knock out a couple of them, you know, just so they, you know, they got to wake up from it, you know, so you kind of killed them, you know, but really just pick the shit up because then they're going to be real invested in coming back at you and, and taking some swings. For me, you know, when is it okay to kill a character? It's always okay, especially if it happens just as a natural consequence of the role play. And it is important to remember the DM is not the only one in charge of this, right? The, the players control all the healing. The players really decide when they die because they have all the healing at their disposal. Mm. So they decide how to, how to use it. And that really is what determines if they die. Having said that, you it does mean that you need to be very respectful of, you know, if you're if you're just putting it all on them, you got to be respectful of when they want to rest. Blaming well, the victim. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no victims in D and D. You kidding me? They came here to they came here to 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 murder and pillage every undead in this in this catacomb. There ain't no victims here. <laughs> but please, is there anyone? Is there any less victim in any anything any property ever than player characters in a role play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's you know it's 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 okay. It's it's always okay. You know, it's how you interact with your players and your friends who are those players. It might 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 influence that. You do have to read the room, as Tony said, but it's not. It shouldn't just be up to you. If it's if it's just you decide I'm going to kill a guy, well then that's not okay unless you've got that you know, unless you've really brought them into it and they understand what's going to happen and they're down with it. Uh, but otherwise, people die, characters die. It happens. It's part of the game. Sometimes you got to let it go. Otherwise, the game doesn't feel real. You know, but it's not really you doing it. It's it's it's. You know, it's how they decided to spend their resources and what the monsters did. But you may get a reputation for being too hard to DM, so balance that out. As far as how you bring characters back in, you know, I think it's... I like players to come in with new characters, and like I said, we work out kind of how they fit back into the game. But I'm also pretty flexible with it. I'm not going to... Like, I don't really feel like players are that... I don't feel like players lose that much immersion for how the new character came in. That's just me. So, you know, so long as they're happy and they got a new character they want to play and we can all keep going, I think that's 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 fine for me. And with the TPK, you know, it, it's it's fine to do that. Actually, it happens more often than single kills. However, you then do need to deal with the consequences of you maybe not playing this campaign anymore. You're doing another campaign. 
some players may not want to come back. So you got to weigh the, the pros and cons of that yourself. But for me, I mean, all this stuff is always okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean you won't have consequences from doing it. If, if that, if that makes sense, you know, <laughs> you're, you're the DM, they're going to hold it again. They might hold it against you. You got to decide how you're going to work with that, but it's not a fundamental. Is it okay or not? Okay. Thing. It's not, it's objective basically. So, all right, that's it. Guys, thanks a lot for stopping by and talking about death. Another uplifting topic. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best topics. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed the topic. We hope you thought it was one of the best topics, and we hope it helps you uh, DM DM, DM deaths and and TPKs in your game better than maybe you were before. Now, if you'd like to hear us talk more about this, feel free to send us a question, or you have your own questions you want us to answer, please send them in. You can reach us at threewisedms at gmail.com. You can go to our website, threewisedms.com, and enter it in the What's Your Problem field. Or you can talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're active in all those places. We're always looking for new ideas, and we really do. You know, We're here to help DMs with problems. That's what this podcast is for. So send us your problems, and we'll do our best to, to give you good advice on them. Or at least entertaining bad advice, depending on the day. Yeah. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the five-star rating button in your podcast platform of choice. That really helps us grow the show. Tell your friends, share it on social media. All that stuff's a big help for us. Really appreciate it. Thank you all very much for both listening and for helping us grow the show. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time in Three Wise DMs. Bye.